Welcome to Salem First Assembly Podcast. May this week's message by our guest speaker be a blessing to your life and helping you to grow in your understanding in God's Word, strengthen your faith, and equip you to become all that God has created you to be. If I had only known the last time would be the last time I would have put off all the things I had to do I would have stayed a little longer Held on a little tighter Now what I'd give for one more day with you There's a wound here in my heart where something's missing And they tell me that it's gonna heal with time But I know you're in the place where all your wounds have been erased And knowing yours I healed is healing mine Only scars in heaven that won't belong to me and you. There'll be no such thing as broken, and all the old will be made new, and the thought that makes me The only scars in heaven are on the hands to hold you now. I know your road you walked was anything but easy. You picked up your share of scars along the way. Standing in the sun, you fought your fighting, your fate is done. The pain is all a million miles away. The only scars in heaven that won't belong to me and you. There'll be no such thing as broken.
Till I'm standing with you in the sun I'll fight this famous race I'll run Until I finally see what you can see Satisfied with just a cottage below, a little silver and a little gold. But in a city where the ransom will shine, I want a gold one that silver. Just over the hilltop In that bright land Where we'll never grow And someday under We will never more wander But walk on streets That are pure as gold Don't think me poor Desert I'm heaven bound, amen. I'm but a pilgrim in search of the sea. I want a mansion, a hop in a crown. I've got a mansion just over the Someday under 
never worship team. I thought, I thought it was casting crowns up there for a moment. The only scars in heaven, that's a song they wrote, if any of you heard it before. And Andrew, if you could bring that down for me, I'd certainly appreciate it. Um, we're going to be talking about heaven this morning, and uh, I think both those songs spoke of that as well as others that we've sung. And um, there probably isn't one of you here who doesn't have a loved one or a friend that's in heaven. And uh, as life goes on, we've all unfortunately been to our share of funerals. So I'm, I'm going to speak to you this morning about home with the Lord. And uh, I guess this is on. We're good? Okay. And for those of you watching also, uh, let God speak to your hearts. Uh, Pastor Brian and Paula, we love you. May God continue to bring minister healing and strength during this time. And uh, Thank you for allowing us to come back again. It's always nice to be invited back. It means we're still loved. <laughs> and we still love you guys. So let me just read a couple of key texts here. Uh, both of them probably familiar to you. John chapter 14, 1 to 6 in your Bible, uh, or on your phone, Bible. Jesus makes a promise uh, to his disciples, and that includes all of us today, not just those 2,000 years ago. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms, as the NIV says, or the King James, as I grew up with, in my, house, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you may also be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one, you don't underline that, no one comes to the Father except through me. There's only one way. It's Jesus. He's the narrow way. That's the way of safety. That's the way of forgiveness, the way of eternal life. If you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you know him and have seen him. And that passage we'll go back to a little later. But then this passage that is found uh, later on in uh, Hebrews, and uh, yeah, Hebrews chapter 11, find my spot here. Uh, the Heroes of Faith chapter, we, we call it. But Hebrews chapter 11, beginning at verse 8. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country he lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. By faith, Abraham, even though he was past age, and Sarah herself was barren, was enabled to become a father because he considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, 
came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. All of these people, verse 13, were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, and they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they'd been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God's not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Hallelujah. And he's prepared a place for all of us who love him and serve him. Thank you again for the surprise of our anniversary and the gifts and the flowers and wow. We just celebrated, she was it, honey, 19 years, 29 years, 30. Keep going, touch time flies. We're even having fun. 51, thank you, Lord, for your goodness and strength and, and allowing two flawed people to come together and stay united because of your great love. Now, I won't, I won't have you raise your hands, but if you've ever watched Wheel of Fortune, there's the hand already going up, with Pat Sajak and Vanna White, then have anybody ever been on Wheel of Fortune? Okay. You're aware of the money, the cars, and the trips that people win. Am I correct? This American TV show was created by Merv Griffin in January of 1975, and it's been around for over 47 years. Now, the reason Vanekin looks so good is she has a lot of money and she can go to a lot of doctors. That's all I'm saying. And, and Pat, too. They, they have the money. They can all, all the stuff done. You know what I'm talking about to make you look young, but they're getting older like everybody. So here's some, of the, here's some of the places where the people get so excited they jump up and down. And, and you know if there are certain questions that they answer, you're saying already, I bet there's a trip with that. And sure enough, guess where you're going? You're going to the Bahamas, or you're going to St. Lucia, or you're going to Puerto Rico, you're going to Barbados, you're going to Jamaica, to Bora Bora, Hawaii, the British Virgin Islands, to Bali, to Aruba, to Cayman Islands, to Bermuda, to Granada, Fiji, Italy. And the list goes on, right? And everybody's, oh, that's so great. Along with all the money they want, which will help them pay for all the transportation. What behind the scenes is you don't know is, and I read this, is some of the people trade in their trip for a lesser trip. Because when they say, this is worth this much money, the IRS is watching. And they're taxing them, so people are downsizing because they don't want to pay all the taxes and get a lesser trip. You can read that. It's all interesting and part of the game show. Now, I want to say this. How about if you were on this game show or one of these people and Pat Sajek said, you just want a trip to Three Mile Island in Harrisburg minus nuclear meltdown. How many remember Three Mile Island? Yeah, if you're old enough, you remember it, okay? Yo, would they be jumping up and down? Or you just won a trip to Neville Island. That's in Pittsburgh, PA, and I need to explain to you. Neville Island is 2.2 square miles of paradise, five miles long on the Ohio River. Not. It's filled with industry, factories, and homes. And since my wife and I lived in Pittsburgh, we lived only three miles from Neville Island, and I visited many times. We were living it up on Neville Island. 
If anybody knows Neville Island, says, that's no trip destination. Thank you, but no thank you. Or how about this one? This one's a little closer to home. You have just won a trip to the artificial island. <laughs> Woohoo! Been there already. Been there Located along the, and here's its description, located along the eastern shore of the Delaware River. With part of it in Lower Alloways Creek Township and the other part in Newcastle County, Delaware, you can sunbathe on the river beach right next to two nuclear reactors, which will give you great shade on really hot days. The benefits, free electricity and free glow-in-the-dark radiation. You will literally be radiating when you leave. How many want to go to any of those three islands I just mentioned? Well, okay, we have, which one do you want to go to? The radiation, okay. That's, that's close. You can drive there. It's, it's right around the corner from us. Now, if you were on Wheel of Fortune and any of those three islands were offered as trips to paradise, I'm saying you'd be sad, repulsed, horrified, angry. And anybody watching would say, are those people morons? They're offering those trips to those places? Someone got the wrong script. Please call in and tell them to change it quickly. However, any of the places I previously mentioned, the first group, would probably fill you with joy. And if you watch the show, you see people just jumping up and down with joy. Oh, I'm going where? And you're so excited. You know? And of course, if they win the car, they're quick running over and getting in and waving to everybody. You, you've watched some of that stuff. It's great. Well, <clears throat> I need to say to us again as a reminder, it's really important for our spiritual health our spiritual well-being, that we keep one eye focused heavenward while the other eye is focused on earth. The vertical look is absolutely vital to us making it through the earthly horizontal stuff of life. And not a single one of us here is exempt from the stuff of life. And if you want to know what the stuff of life is, it's the good, the bad, and the ugly. We all experience it. I don't care how great a person you are of faith. I read scripture. I read what people experience in the biblical days. I've lived long enough to experience things myself and watch other people. So when we're dealing with all this stuff, we need to focus on the heavenward, the trip that God has promised, the, the paradise. Because if not, we can get pretty disgruntled. This awesome thought of heaven for the saints, it fills us with hope, joy, and peace on the darkest days. And it'll be that which is James 1.12, and we talked about that a couple weeks ago in James chapter 1. It'll be that upward look daily as we're serving here that'll enable us to persevere under trials and receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. That's James 1.12, and some of you know that. Without a belief in the resurrection of Christ, and his promise to all who believe, um, the Apostle Paul had this to say, and we need to be reminded that we believe the tomb is empty, absolutely empty, that Jesus rose victorious. He's alive. He ascended to heaven. He's coming again. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 16 to 19, for if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. Your faith is empty. It's a farce. It doesn't mean a thing. It's a lie. And uh, you're still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ, how many have friends and family that have fallen asleep in Christ? 
he says, if all, he says, then those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. And the King James Version says, we are of all men most miserable. So he continues his thoughts in verses 32 and 33 of this, um, this same chapter, 1 Corinthians 15. If I fought wild beasts in Ephesus for merely human reasons, what have I gained? If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. These words that Paul says here are taken from Isaiah chapter 30, excuse me, Isaiah 22, 13, where Israel was called by God through his prophets to repent of their sinful lifestyles. But instead of repenting, you know, I want to tell you this morning, if you're here living in sin and you want God's blessings, you can just whistle through your hat and keep on walking because you're not getting them. God wants us to repent and come to him. And then he will open up the windows of heaven to bless. And Israel is constantly going away and serving other gods and the people around them. They get caught up in sin. So God was calling them to repent. And he calls us to repent if we're living in sin and daily say, Lord, forgive me and cleanse me and fill me with your power. But instead they push God away and they continue to indulge in their sinful behavior. We call it Hedonism is a term that's been familiar in my lifetime. The pursuit of pleasure, sensual, self-indulgence. Live any way you want because there's no heaven to gain. There's no hell to shun. And when you die, they drop you in the hole of ground, and that's the end of your existence. If you're here today or you're listening online and you believe that, I need to read a passage of scripture to you to rework the thought pattern in your head because you're believing a lie. And in uh, Luke chapter 16, Jesus tells a true story. And we understand when Jesus speaks, he doesn't speak lies like some do in our culture today. He is not one of those uh, false people peddling stuff. So I just want to read this because it's important for us to understand there is a real heaven. We call it paradise. There's a real hell, lake of fire. There's a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. Luke chapter 16, beginning at verse 19. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores, longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. The time came, as it comes for all people, by the way. There's a day with my name on it, when my life will be over. There's a day when your name on it, your life will be over, unless the rapture takes place first. So time came, the beggar died, Lazarus, and the angels carried him to Abraham's side, to Abraham's bosom, to paradise. The rich man also died, and he was buried in hell, where he was not having a party with all his friends and having an air condition break every hour for 10 minutes in an air-conditioned office. I've heard a lot of people talk about hell and joke about it. Read this passage of scripture. In hell, where he was in torment, he looked up. And he saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. And they were having a party. I need to tell you, the party's in heaven, the pain's in hell. Don't ever forget it. It should readjust you how you live your life if you're over, over on the other side. So he calls him and says, Father Abraham, have pity on me and, and, and send Lazarus to dip, of his, to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I'm in agony in this fire. Abraham replied, Son... Remember that in your lifetime you received your good things while Lazarus received bad things? 
Now he's, a, now he's comforted here, and you're in agony. And beside all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been fixed so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. And then he answered, Then I begged you, Father, send Lazarus to my five brothers. For I have five brothers, let him warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torment. It appears his brothers were living just like he was. There's no room for God. We don't need God. That's a bunch of fairy tales. Tell us another story, blah, blah, blah. And he was wanting them not to come where he was. If it was such a party place, he would have said, tell all my brothers to show up. Man, we got plenty of whiskey. There's plenty of women. We're having the fun of our life. That's not what he says. He says, go, go warn them, would you please? Abraham replied, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they'll repent. And he said, if they don't listen to Moses and the prophets, they'll not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. This passage of scripture tells us, unfortunately, that there's people with hard hearts. Even if a dead person came back, they'd say, you didn't really die. Come on, you're making up a story. And, and we're, you're going to warn us about a place called hell where there's a lake of fire and it's forever torment? Oh, please, we don't hear that stuff. Hey, bartender, can I have another whiskey? This is, the, this is the mindset apart from Jesus. So all of you know people that are away from God that scoff at the thought of heaven or hell, and they have their own system of, of whatever heaven is for them, the, the mindset today is everyone dies and goes to a better place. That is a lie. You go to one of two places, heaven or hell. Heaven is the better place, and we're going to be talking about that shortly. But you understand why we do the things we do? We want to forget hell and go to heaven. We put our reservation in for heaven, right? We accepted Christ. We're serving him. We're headed that way, not that way. And it's choices that we make all the time. Notice how things changed? The beggar becomes the rich man. The rich man became the beggar. You notice that in this story? It was Lazarus begging for a few crumbs. Here's a few crumbs for you, Lazarus. A multimillionaire. Here's a few crumbs for you. He could have gave him lobster and flaming yawn every single day. Here's a few crumbs for you as he's begging. No medical help. The dogs licked his sores. It all changed. Just remember that. God has a way of taking care of all things. There will be justice one day. Don't ever forget that. You may not see it in your lifetime. It's okay. There's justice one day. And, and, and by the way, just so you know, in this story, it's talking about a rich man. And Jesus had many things to say about rich people because, unfortunately, riches substitute the need of God for rich people. But he's not saying here all rich people will go to hell. Job was one of the wealthiest men of his time, and he loved God. So people of all walks of life that reject God will not be in heaven. Just letting you know that. It's much harder for rich people, as Jesus said, to even go through the eye of a needle. They, they have such a struggle because we don't need God. So there's a real heaven and there's a real hell. This is just one passage of Scripture. And so we work every day to serve Jesus and to share this good news with other people. And I want to encourage you, if you believe the lies and the jokes that people talk about hell, hell is a real place. That's been prepared for the devil and his angels. And all those whose names are not written, written in the Lamb's Book of Life for those who have said no to Jesus. So we come to John chapter 14. This, uh, this phrase um, is very clear to me and to anyone who has read it over the years that Jesus has prepared an abiding place. Now, often when a believer dies, we might see this in the obituary or hear them speak about it at the service. They are home with the Lord. What does it mean to be home with the Lord? What's that all about? So in John 14, 
It says Jesus has prepared an abiding place, a mansion for all who believe. And it was this place that the repentant thief would be the second he died. For in Luke chapter 23, and I like to turn there and read that because I think it's such a powerful passage of Scripture. And it, it speaks to us of how easy it is to be forgiven. Okay? And I know that some of you here have read this passage over and over again. But I, I need to bring it to our attention again as part of this message here. That God will forgive you no matter what you have done. Even if that 11.59 before the clock strikes 12 if you will humble your heart and ask him to forgive you. Luke 23, one of the, verse 39, one of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you're under the same sentence. We are punished justly for what we are, get, we are getting, for what our deeds deserve. This man's done nothing wrong. And then he said, Jesus... Remember me when you come into your kingdom. Was that a short sinner's prayer? Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. It's like nine words. And Jesus turned to him and said, I'm sorry, bud, but you stole too much stuff from people. No way, Jose. Is that what he said? Of course not. It's right here. I, I, Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. Today you'll be with me in paradise. And it wasn't Neville Island or the Artificial Island or Three Mile Island. See, even the Jews of Jesus' day understood that word paradise. And they understood it as a reference to the Garden of Eden, where everything was perfect, including Adam and Eve. See, they had Old Testament things to read. They had stories that were told and taught to them. And it appears when you read Scripture that all mankind, like we read in Hebrews, looking for a city, all mankind have longed for a return to paradise, to the Garden of Eden. And by the way, it's not paradise that's up in the Dutch country. That's near sight and sound where some of you are going to be going in a little while. Because if it is, why are you smelling cow manure? That's all I'm saying. So all mankind have longed for a return to paradise, the Garden of Eve, where all was perfect before Adam and Eve ate us out of house and home, as the phrase goes, which means to eat so much as to deplete someone's resources. As someone stated, it wasn't the apple on the tree that was the problem, it was the pear on the ground. Did you catch that, the pear? On the ground. Now, growing up in church, I personally sang a lot of heaven songs. And more are being written all the time. So embrace all the music of the church. We sang Mansion Over the Hilltop, which was written way back. And we sang The Only Scars in Heaven, which is a pretty new song, right? That, that spans like 70-some years. I think uh, Mansion Over the Hilltop was written like 1949, okay? They're all excellent songs. Embrace them. Learn new songs as you hold on to the old songs and sing them. They're all about what God has done for us. And uh, praise God for insight and for inspiration and people are writing music and speaking to us. But I went through this book, which some of you used for years. So did I. This was the latest, I think, the Assemblies of God, Sing His Praise. Anybody ever use one of these? Sing His Praise. So I just went through it. And here's the songs in here about heaven. Okay? Amazing grace, face to face, 
He, the pearly gates, will open higher ground. I am bound for the... Do you want me to sing every one of them to you this morning? I, I probably know most of these by memory. I'm bound for the promised land. I feel like traveling on. I feel like traveling. Um, I love to walk with Jesus. I'll meet you in the morning. In the city where the Lamb is the light, in the great triumphant morning, in the sweet by and by, it is glory just to walk with Him just a little while, just over in the glory land, marching on. My Savior, first of all, we're nearing the shore. Oh, I want to see Him. Look upon His face. Oh, that will be glory to me since I have been redeemed. Some golden daybreak, Jesus will come. These are all songs right out of here that we've sung for years about heaven. Surely goodness and mercy, the hallelujah side, the way the cross leads home, there is a redeemer. That's a new one, I think, from Keith Green or uh, a rework. He had a great one, Keith Green wrote, there is a redeemer. Victory in Jesus, we're marching to Zion. What a day that will be. When the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. And when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. When we see Christ, won't it be wonderful there? There's going to be a meeting in the air. That wasn't in the book, but I added it because we just sang it, or I sang it at a reunion we just had this past weekend. We had a whole family reunion out in Ephrata. There's only a little over 100 in our family. They weren't all there, but most of them were. And I was reminded there's going to be a reunion someday, and you don't have to say goodbye until we see you again. Or where's so-and-so? They're not here. Or the Lord called them home since our last reunion. That was our daughter, Vani. She's in heaven. And so this is, this is the earthly reunions. But there's going to be a meeting in the air and a sweet, sweet by and by. I'm going to meet you. I'm going to meet you over there in a home beyond the sky. Such singing we will hear, never heard by mortal ear, will be glorious, I do declare. And God's own son will be the leading one in that meeting in the air. Some of you know that by heart. See, these are songs that we sung. Why are they here? Because the Bible is filled with references about heaven. That's why they're here. We need to be reminded, this isn't all there is to our existence. It's a little, little bing, a little drop of water in the ocean. But the ocean speaks of forever, where we're going to be with the Lord. And, and that was just, that, that was the group that was under the title of heaven. But then, then I looked at the camp meeting songs. And you remember camp meeting days? Went to... Little Tabernacle, Brush Hour, Camp Meeting Days. Well, those songs are in here, too. Some of them are on the heaven list, but I'm bound for the promised land. I feel like traveling on. I'll fly away, oh glory. <laughs> Sister Mary D. Gregorio in the Malaga Church, when she raised her hand and we had song selections, I knew exactly what song. And she did. One day, God called her home. She's with Jesus. I'll fly. I'll meet you in the morning, in the great triumphal morning in New Jerusalem, uh, Jesus is coming soon. Just a little while, just over in the glory land, a mansion over the hilltop, which you sang. Victory in Jesus, we're marching to Zion. What a day it'll be when the roll is called wondering. Wow, yonder, won't it be wonderful there? Well, these are songs we've sung that we needed to sing along with all the other songs because, again, if all you look at around you, oh, I went to the doctor, and oh, my back. He said, there's no cure. He gave me some more pain pills. Oh, oh so-and-so, their car just broke down the other day. They don't have money to fix it. Oh, if that's all you see in your life, I feel sad for you. And if you think you're all alone as you're going through it, I really feel sad for you. Just remember, whatever you're going through, Jesus will help us through it. He walked on this earth. 
he said he would never leave us or forsake us. He'd be with us. But please, this is just a small part. We have to sing about heaven. We have to talk about heaven because that's our eternal home forever. And we're going to meet all those who have gone before. There'll be no more of the tears and all the stuff that we deal with down here. So when I look at this, I'm so glad that God has given us insight in Scripture. And he spoke to people throughout history in the church to write down things about heaven. Now, it's obvious that believers through the ages have longed to be in heaven. We're all perfect. And when Jesus said to that thief, today you'll be with me in paradise, they understood the word paradise as like perfect place, like the Garden of Eden restored again. And it's obvious that Paul struggled with this same thing as he walked on this planet because in Philippians chapter 1, verses 21 to 26, he says, For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. He doesn't say to die is lost, to die is gain. What's he talking about? He's talking about eternal life in heaven. That's what he's talking about. But he's going to live for Christ in the meantime. And then he says, if I am to go on living in this body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far but it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Con I, <clears throat> convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and join the faith so that through my being with you again, your joy in Christ will overflow on account of me. So we have this, um, this balance like I, I'm, I'm living for Christ, but I want to be with Christ. I'm living for Christ, but I long to be with Christ. And I long to be with all those who have called home especially loved ones, uh, friends, and so forth. So all people through history have had that longing in their heart, eternity, that one day this life will be over. I don't have to worry about, oh, i got to get up at 6 o'clock and go to that factory again. i got the worst boss in the world. Please, God, help me. One day you'll no longer have to do that. I have four doctor visits this week. I said to someone recently, I said, you thought when you were in high school the tests were hard. Until you got to this age in life, now you're going to the doctor all the time for test, test, test. What's the results? What's the results? I don't know. Maybe so. I, whoa, whoa, whoa. That'll all be done. See, so we hold on to Jesus. Now, when game show producers decide on trip locations, I like to be in the back room with them talking. I think they think of things like beautiful scenery. And when they show these trips, they show some of the scenery, don't they? Oh, my goodness. Did you see the beaches? The sand is pure. The water, you can look down 30 feet. It's so clear. Look at the mountains and all that. And then they talk about food. Not anybody here is hungry or likes to go to a good eating place like Shady Maple or Maybe Shaple. Anybody here ever go on a cruise? Anybody here go on a cruise? Do they have any food on a cruise ship? Just a little? Yeah, just a little. Like, I think you can eat 24 hours a day on a cruise ship. I've had family members that have gone, and if you're not careful, they have to carry you off the ship because you're so bloated from all the food you ate for a week and you didn't do anything but sit around and eat and look at the water and whatever, scenery. So we talk about delicious and abundant food. We talk about awesome mansions and castles and bridges and walls and great things that people have built and entertainment and 
we talk about relaxation. There's no work. It's just leisure time and great time to be with family and friends. And, and sometimes like Bill Gaither's had a Bill Gaither cruise and other groups where it's all these Christian groups and stuff. So these are just great. So when they plan these trips, these are just great events they're looking at. And they combine a lot of these elements because who'd want to go to Artificial Island or to Three Mile Island or to Neville Island? I don't think so. But these places, oh my goodness. So we look at the John 14 passage again, and I'm, I on purpose asked Tim to do the mansion over the hilltop as well as um, no scars in heaven. But that phrase right there, I've got a mansion just over the hilltop. Now, my wife and I had a chance to visit an earthly mansion in the 1990s in Newport, Rhode Island. In fact, um, we saw many mansions there, and I said, Steve, if you can bring that, that picture up for us of that mansion, okay? And you just want to, you can scroll a little bit on that, I guess, if there's a, a number of pictures there. Um, this is, this is pictures of the Breakers Mansion in Newport, Rhode Island. Anybody ever visit the Breakers? It's one of the many Vanderbilt mansions, okay? Um, Vanderbilt's made their money in the shipping industry, then into the train industry. In the late 1800s, going in, that's the outside of it. Does it look like any of your homes right there? Um, you can hold that picture there for a minute, Steve, right there. Okay, this, this place is called a Gilded Age Mansion located in Newport. Now it's in the hands of a historical society, as are many mansions that are there. Um, it was built from 1893 to 1895 as a summer residence. Summer. Did you catch that? They didn't live there all the time. This was just, hey, you want to visit my summer home? Okay, let's go up. It's just a small little shanty. Um, built by Cornelius Vanderbilt II, who was a railroad millionaire, a member of the wealthy Vanderbilt family. It had only 70 rooms in it. It was five stories. If you had friends that visit and you didn't like them, you put them up on the fifth floor. You don't be bothered with them. You can have the maid go up and serve them, you know. Um, the, gross living, the gross area of the whole place was 125,399 square feet. It only had 62,482 square feet of living space. Man, that's such a small little place. How'd they do it? I mean... Even for a summer home, you must have been cramped. Um, it sits on the cliffs overlooking the eastern, uh, to the eastern bay of the Atlantic Ocean designed by Richard Morris Hunt in the Renaissance Revival style. Also, we were told by a tour guide they developed a system of bringing cold seawater into the house, which many felt, felt was therapeutic. And uh, you could soak in one of those big old cast iron tubs with the claw feet that you might still have in your house. They're huge. They're Great, and uh, it helped you. However, earthly mansions, like all earthly structures, have a problem. Stuff wears out. I don't care what it's built out of. It wears out. The elements take their effect, the wind and the waves. The termites find their way inside the walls, right? You all know what I'm talking about. The roof wears out. In fact, when we were visiting... The Historical Society was in the process of raising $1 million to fix the roof. That's one with six zeros behind it. That was just for the roof, for the summer home. How much did your roof cost when you had one replaced lately? Five, ten thousand, 10000 maybe? Just like, it all wears 
out except for the mansions God's prepared in glory. And that's why the Bible tells us not to put down our roots so deep here. Have a nice home to live and have a roof over your head, eat good food, all kinds of stuff. But this is all just temporary. And as your servant here, don't just focus on, ah, I wish I lived in a place like that. Now, the older you get, the smarter you get. Like, if I lived in a place like that, I'm thinking, what's it going to cost to heat this thing in the winter? What's the air conditioning bill? Now, if they gave it to me along with the money needed for all that stuff, who's going to be cleaning this place? My wife? Kids? I mean, who's taking care of the lawn outside? I mean, you start thinking about all this stuff, but if you had a lot of money, you paid other people to do all that. But if you just had a house like that that was yours alone and you didn't have the money, you'd be like, we need to sell this place. This is like a big old elephant. It's just, we can't give me a little, little home that's easy to heat and cool and all that kind of stuff. So... Things wear out. So what does it mean to be home with the Lord? Back to John 14, 6. And um, Jesus makes a couple statements there, and I'm going to look at some other passages of Scripture. Uh, First of all, Jesus has built it. He said, I have gone to prepare a place for you. I love that. Jesus has built it. I like also that he says that I prepared it for you. I like that thought of tailor fit. Many, many years ago, on Route 40 on the other side of Woodstown was a place called Spinozzi's Clothing Store. And Spinozzi attended the Malaga Church. And when we first came there, some folks said, hey, take some of your bonus uh, Christmas gift money, whatever, and go to Spinozzi's. I'll probably give you a little discount. I want to tell you what, his clothes never wear out. I'm serious. I, I had a suit for years. It didn't wear out. I outgrew it. I'm not going to tell you what outgrew, but, you know, it just, just didn't fit anymore. And... um. There was a tailor, Gurin Chapanna. He was also a member of our church. He was an excellent tailor. That suit was tailor fit. My wife got some stuff. Just per- perfect. God has tailor fit our abiding places forever. He's prepared it, and it's tailor fit. It's not like a haphazard, like, oh, you're, you're going to be over there. Now, listen, I know that there's a lot of jokes told about people coming to heaven, and um, our time's running here, but the, this guy showed up at heaven who was a preacher, and um, in St. Peter, you know, these are, these are all jokes. Welcome him into heaven and said, over there's your, your home forever. And it was just a little, simple little cottage. And uh, this uh, lawyer showed up and he welcomed him into heaven and he gave him this beautiful mansion. And the preacher was like, what's up? He's a, he was a lawyer and you, you gave me this and you gave me that. And he said, hey, we don't get many of those lawyers in heaven. You ever catch that? I can tell that because my brother's a lawyer, and he tells a lot of lawyer jokes. Um, here's what you need to know. Whatever your thoughts are, Jesus has it all prepared perfectly. Amen. So I don't have to worry about it. I'm not sitting around like, hey, Lord, did you remember that I wanted these kind of windows? Or See, the stuff that we think is important down here, the color of the carpet, you know, what the doors look like, don't worry about none of that stuff. He's prepared it perfectly just for you and for me and for every person who said yes to him. The entrance past the ticket to get in is John 14, 6. Jesus Christ, the way, truth, and life. How easy is that? The thief who lived a whole life doing bad things finally came to his senses as he's dying, and he says, Lord, forgive me. And he says, today you'll be with me in paradise. Wow. He didn't have to crawl on glass. He didn't have to go out and do a lot of good deeds. Now, if he had gotten down off the cross and he had lived... 
he would have changed his whole lifestyle. We get that. He's going to be dead in a few minutes. They're going to break his legs and the thief on the other side of Jesus. They didn't break Jesus' legs because Jesus willingly gave up the ghost. Okay? All prophetic. But because he said yes to Jesus, he inherited paradise the moment he died. How awesome is that? People go through all kinds of hoops and things. And how are you going to get? Simply say yes to Jesus. Ask him to forgive you. He will. He loves you. If, if he didn't love sinners, he wouldn't have forgiven the thief next to him, who was a sinner, who had hurt people all his life. And there's good people that are sinners that don't hurt people, but they're still sinners. Good sinners, bad sinners go to hell. Forgiven sinners go to heaven. It's real simple, and it's Jesus' amazing grace. I love the no mores of heaven. And uh, Revelation 21, and if you want to know a lot of the descriptions of heaven, it's, it's found in, in Revelation along with many other scriptures. But the no mores of heaven are found there in Revelation 21, verses 1 to 5. There is no longer, let me back up here. Then I saw a new heaven, new earth. The first heaven, first earth passed away. There's no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, come down to heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, now the dwelling of God's with men, he will live with them. They'll be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. You don't have to buy any more tissues, have any handkerchiefs. There'll be no more tears. There will be no more death. I've said to folks a number of times, I am so looking forward to no more funerals. This past month, I think I was at two that I spoke at and one that I attended. I'll be so glad the day comes there's no more funerals. There will be no more death. Or mourning or crying or pain. No more doctor's visits, no more struggles with life of any kind, pain, but whole Dealing with children that don't want to talk to you anymore, a husband or wife that might have left you, the whole, all the pain that life caused, wicked people all around, so wicked. The old order of things has passed away. And he who is seated on the throne said, I'm making everything new. And he said, write it down. These words are trustworthy and true. The no mores of heaven. And then you look at Revelation 22, and I'm, I'm going to read these verses here. Uh, let, me, let me back up first to Revelation 21. We're right out. There will be no sinners there. If you're tribulated by what wicked people do, and rightfully so, I talked to a woman the other day who has roots in Ukraine, and we were talking about the wicked, demon-possessed man-made Putin, who's like a Hitler, killing people and destroying all the properties. Okay? It says here that the cowardly... In verse 8 of Revelation 21, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters and all liars, their place will be in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. And then down to verse 27 of Revelation 21, nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful only those whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. You get your name written in when you say yes to Jesus. Revelation chapter um, 22, verses 14 and 15. Blessed are those who wash their robes, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. Outside are the dogs, those who practice magic arts, 
the sexually immoral, the murderers, the adulterers, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. So we see that phrase like repeated three times just in, in this passage here. There will be no sinners there. Hallelujah. Now, every sinner has an opportunity to repent. So, like, well, I really feel bad about that. But listen, Noah preached for 120 years as he was building the ark, and everyone had a chance to repent, but they hardened their heart. If you're here today or you're listening, you've not said yes to Jesus, don't harden your heart, say yes to him. You've got nothing going for you now, and you've got nothing going for you forever without Christ. With Christ, you've got everything going for you now and forever. And I base that on God's word. We will get spanking brand new heavenly bodies. We're going to put off the earth suit and we're going to put on the heaven suit. Won't that be glorious? Um, 1 Corinthians 15 is a great chapter on the resurrection and our hope. And just... um, a few verses there because I think just we need to be reminded that what we're struggling with in our bodies right now, whatever it may be. Um, I declare to you, brothers, in uh, 1 Corinthians 15, starting verse 50, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We won't all sleep, we'll all, but we'll all be changed. In a flash, in a twinkling of an eye. Remember that song? Changed in the twinkling of an eye. Changed in the twinkling of an eye. The trumpet shall sound. The dead shall be raised. I'll be changed in the twinkling of an eye. That's based right on Scripture. Right here. We're going to be changed. The trumpet will sound. The dead will be raised in perishable. We'll be changed. The perishable must, put, must clothe itself with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality. And when the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is law. But thanks be to God, He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. That day's coming. Those who died in Christ, they went immediately to be with the Lord. Their body's in the grave. That body's going to be raised and made brand new, given a heavenly body. Now, I know that some of you thought when you were young you had heavenly bodies. And some of you ladies thought, I look, I look pretty good. And some of you guys, you had the Charlie Atlas course. And look at that. When we were kids, we, we ordered that Charlie Atlas course. That went back into the 50s. And my brother had set up a weight room and all this stretching and things. We never, we never ride Charlie Atlas with the muscles and carrying the world. I don't care what you look like then or what you look like now. It's still an earthly body. It needs to be changed. We're getting a new one. Again, what will our age be, Pastor? I don't know. What will be the color of our hair? Or if we're bald, will it be restored? Will I be a certain weight? I I don't know. Here's what I do know. God has it all prepared. And I know this. He makes no blunders with anything. And it's going to be perfect in every way. Hallelujah. Now, some of the stuff we deal with down here with these human bodies, I don't know, Steve, we have that little clip that you can bring up of the weather report. Um, can, Can you see that up there? Now, this is... If you can't read that yellow print, it says, disruptions due to extreme high temperatures. This is an actual weather report that a woman shared with me the other day who just came back from Denmark, and she was there visiting friends. They had extreme heat. It was 72 degrees. 
I'm not making this up. And she was laughing at him. Are you kidding me? 72. And, and look at, they're showing, the, oh, they're showing the temperatures there. You won't trip over anything either where you have any bodies. Um, and, and, then, and then it went up to 73. And for us, we look at the humidity, right? If it's 85, but it feels like 98, ah, we're dying, okay? It, it was 73 at one time, and it says it felt like 72. So it felt even cool. And this is a heat wave to these people. And I said to her, I said, what are they used to? She said, weather in the 50s and 60s. Now, if your house was in the 50s for a week long, I'm saying someone's going to turn on the thermostat. Am I, am I right? For them, it's like 50s and 60s. And we're like, 72? That's a heat wave? Give me 72 all year long in South Jersey. 72. I can live with 72. I don't think I need the air or the heat, right? Am I, am I right? So wherever you are in the world, we're all different lost time. Our heavenly bodies will not deal with any of that stuff. Do you how hot it is, how cold it is? You don't care what the humidity is. You don't care what the wind chill fire. Oh, you can't go outside and play. I'm so glad they didn't have this stuff when we were kids. We would have never went outside and play. My parents said, get outside and play. There was no such thing as, it's 30 degrees, but it feels like 14. Go out and pray, play when you get cold and you can't feel your fingers come on inside and warm up. We did. We went out and played. And in the summertime, oh, it's 90, but, but it feels like 100. Go play and sweat. It's good for you. We did. We all lived. We were healthy. You don't have to worry about any of that stuff in heaven. Hallelujah. None of those things are going to bother us at all because we're going to get brand new bodies. And as also, we're going to meet those who have gone before. People say, well, am I going to meet loved ones? Well, according to Scripture, yes, you are, because Philippians, excuse me, 1 Thessalonians 14, I'm going to bring you to the close here very quickly. Um, brothers, we don't want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep or grieve like the rest of the men who have no hope. We believe Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's own word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left to the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from Heaven with a loud command, the voice of the archangel, with a trumpet call of God, the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. 1 Thessalonians chapter 13 to verse 18. Now, I know some of you have these passages memorized. But in the heat of life, we need to be reminded, we will be together, all who have followed Jesus. We're not going to be in isolated little chambers, not knowing people. We're going to be together when the resurrection takes place and the rapture takes place, and we're going to be called up to be with Jesus. Um, the Bible tells us that there'll be no need for a sun or moon because the Lord will be the light, the shining bright light, the glory of God, Revelation 21, 10 to 11. And then it tells us some things about the the city. So I was just wondering if I could pass an offering plate this morning, and I'm, and I'm not asking for anything exceptional, just for, for you women, I want all your gold, silver, um, any of your sapphire, all your precious jewels, all that kind of stuff that you have that you really think is valuable, and, and it is, because I'm building a house and I need it for the foundation. Anybody like to turn some of that in? I'll start with my wife. Lord, honey, just turn it over. It'll be okay. I'll get you some other stuff out of the bubblegum machine. We'll replace it. 
And the reason I say that because when you look at the description of the city, the wall of the city is jasper. The city is pure gold, Revelation 21, 12 to 21. The 12 foundations of the city are all precious jewels. Think about that. Who'd build today with precious jewels? No, we build with concrete, right? 12 gates are pearls. The streets are pure gold. I don't know about you, but the things I read in Scripture tell me what it means to be home with the Lord. Now, I put my reservation a long time ago, and I daily renew it. I'm like, Lord, cleanse me. When I'm in a worship service like this morning, I'm like, Lord, speak to my heart. Don't ever be done growing. Don't ever get hard. Don't ever think you're all that. Submit to Jesus daily. Keep the reservation alive and well, because you know where you're heading. And you're not letting Satan or anyone else get you off track. Amen? Amen. We're going home to be with Jesus one day. Lord, thank you for the hope that you give us. We look very quickly through some scriptures. There's so many more. We thank you that you have it all prepared for those who love you, who've chosen you as the way, the truth, and the life. And Lord, it's not just what you promised in the future. You promised to be with us on the journey. You understand what it's like. You came down here and put on a body of flesh. You're not a distant stranger to life on the planet. You're a present friend walking with us on the dusty roads of life. You're weeping with us at the grave of a friend. You're there to help us when things are tight and you know how to send the raven to provide the food for a prophet or for a family that's just lost a job. God, all through life, you promise to be with us. And you make promises and keep them. And one day, Lord, when our life ends, or the rapture takes place, you're going to call us into your presence. And we're going to inherit a mansion, a abiding place that we can't even imagine what it'll look like. It'll far out, outshine Vanderbilt's breakers or any other mansion man has built. And they'll never need a new roof. You've prepared an abiding place forever that we can live with you and enjoy all the beauty that you've prepared for us. So I ask today as I close, Lord, that not one person would walk away from your great love, but would receive you and continue to follow you until that great day when you return. Could you stand with me? And let's just sing, of course. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout the victory. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout the victory. Amen. Turn to someone and say, I'll be looking for you up there. I'll be looking for you. Amen. God bless you. We love you.